0: Okay, Shalom Aleikh and everyone, Ezra Yofi. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so thankful we got a chance to immerse ourselves especially in this parsha. This parsha vayigash, everyone knows, is a parsha where according to the Meah Shiloach what we're gonna be focusing on is the closest taste you and I will ever get to feeling and sensing what it's gonna be like the moment that Mashiach comes. The moment that Mashiach comes. The moment that Mashiach comes, there's going to be a complete removal of all hastara uh, uh, concealment. Everything that like a little bit we, that there's a concealment, there's going to be a complete like removal of it, and we're going to be like, oh my god, all these things that I thought were really like foreign or evil or whatever in front of me, the in the MS of it was just everyone was a pawn, p a w n. Everyone was upon. Everything was upon. Now you could have moments like that when you're still in this world before Mashiach comes. But when Mashiach comes, it will be a complete ummal aha its dea et Hashem. Like the Navi says that the world will be filled with the knowledge of God it means nothing. There will be nothing covering over. Nothing well, there will there'll be no hester. There'll be no hastara, nothing, 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 nothing. And that moment that Yehuda, says, Yehuda hears from his from the evil Egyptian viceroy, it's like this: "Ani Yosef ha'oda Like It's that moment of like taking off a mask and saying, "No, no, 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 no! I'm actually your brother." Is Abba still alive? So, according to the Me'ashilach, that is the closest episode for you and I to understand a little bit of a glimpse into what it's going to be like when we're going to look in the face of everything that seemed to be evil, foreign, concealing, confusing, contradicting. That's a big word. Everything that seems contradicting will be a complete removal of all that. So who is the Meishiloch? Why are we talking about him so much? So we know we learn him. Should his teachings every this morning. And the Mashilach is from Yosef of Ishbitz, the founder of the Ishbitz Hasidic dynasty. And the Ishbitzer, the Ishbitzer is something like out of this world. He's mamish out of this world, and it is Yotzei this Shabbos. And we learned every year, especially in Vayigash, his torahs are most potent as well. They're like the the strongest torahs in the world. Comes out always in Parashat Vayigash. because when there's a moment that you're the nearest, you're the closest to, to possible to a a, a non contradictory world. You take your time with them, and you focus in, you zone, you zone in. There's a lot more to say about the man Shiloh. Now is not the time, because I want to sink our teeth into a certain teaching of his. And there was no greater teacher of the Ishbritzer Rebbe than Rib Shlomo. None. Never was, never will be. It's a different, we're talking about a different caliber. In fact, many people attribute the man Shiloch catching wings, his teachings catching wings amongst the world in the last 20 to 25 years is mainly because of his Teaching of the Mashilach and his, his going deeper with the Mashilach, his bringing the Mashilach, the Ishbitz Rebbe, to the world. The Ishbitz Rebbe was a very short Rebbe, very short, by Mordechai Yosef Leiner. And he was a student of Reb Simcha Chabunam of and a very good friend of the Kotzka Rebbe. It's a whole story, it's a long story about how he eventually left Kotsk, and then for the last 13 years of his life, he set up shop in the town of Ishbitz. His son and two other students were the next generations. His son, Rabbi Yaakov of Ishbitz, and his two top talmidim, Reb Label Eger and Rabbi Tzadok Akhen of Lublin. Um, there's so his actually his grandson's yudzeit was today, which is pretty odd. The same week, the sod yeshanim, the one that brought down Tchelet into the world, right, that reintroduced Tchelet to a certain extent. This was the sod yeshanim, Reb Gershon Hanoch Henoch. But for, our, you know, for what we have to focus on right now, I just want us to forget everything that we ever learned when it comes to the story of Joseph and his brothers. Forget it. Lizrok Kol. Throw it all out. None of it is relevant, okay? Maybe at the end it'll be relevant. But for now, like some shiurim, it's okay if you like, go in and out, but this year you have to stay with me the whole time. You have to, and try to, like, all distractions to please, like, do whatever you can. This is, like, for me, brings me back to 1998 in Santa Monica. Why? Because in 1998 in Santa Monica, I was starting college, in S place called SMC, Santa Monica College. You know, SMC, I didn't learn anything besides Ishbitz. I was learning the Me'ashilach. I carried it with me to every... It's all I was learning, and I was starting to then get very heavy into transcribing Rav I'm sitting in psychology 2 class. Somehow I snuck an earpiece into... There were no earbuds back then, right? I was able to sneak, sneak an earpiece somehow between, in a shirt or whatever, and I had it in here, and I was typing away every word that Rav said. Mm. And it was a teaching of him giving over the heart of Parshat Vayigash mm. of 1979, in 1979. So really what we're going to be learning right now, the teaching we're going to be learning tonight, is 42 years old. And it's, my, it's for me, puts me back into a zone of understanding what the, what the panemius of these parashiyot are all about, and why it is so important for us to look at the brothers' relationship in a much larger context of malchut, the malchut coming from the house of Yosef, and the malchut coming from the house of Yehuda. In other words, if I had to think of Yosef as a certain character, what would I refer to him as? A tzaddik. Mm-hmm. And if I want to refer to Yehuda as a certain type of character, what is Yehuda? Not, not a tzaddik. He's the Baal It's the Baal, tshuva. Mm-hmm. It's the Baal tshuva and the tzaddik mm-hmm. Yehuda and Yosef. Whose, where does Mashiach come from? The tzaddik or the Baal tshuva? The Baal tshuva. Let's understand, based on everything we just said right now, it's easy tonight, it's all in English. No, no text to break your head, but it's a little bit confusing. As the Chavra know, if you think you can understand this just by reading ahead, Chavah. So, so stick with us, and we're going to go shlav by shlav. And if you can pass those down, it'll be great. Also, this learning should be for the Rufuah of my dear, dear friend, Nachman Yirachmiel. Ben Golda should have a rufor shleima. Okay. okay, Yosef and Yehuda, the tzaddik and the Baal tshuva. So listen very, very closely. Again, even though this is in English, like I be, very, I'm very, I'm going to be very upfront and honest right now. I believe right now that what we're doing is nothing short of absolutely revolutionary and historic. To sit around here on a Wednesday night in Efrat. And learn the deepest depths of the Torah, the secrets of all secrets, and to be doing it together. And y'all slept out on a pretty cold and windy night. For this is like hurricane weather for Efrat. This is like the worst you know weather that you could imagine. Right? This is just like Tuesday afternoon in New York, right? But this is for us. This is like you know that you came out on a night like ending me okay. How many people do we meet that mamish touch our hearts? How many things happen to us in our lives which really, really touch our hearts? Very few. Kind of connected to this morning's bnei machshavat achshav shir. That how often are we bamed mitrakshim from life? Litragesh. How often are I really moved from life? Like how much is life really touching me? Very few moments. How many words of the Torah do we know that we could mamish say they really touched our hearts? Okay, now I want to ponder on that for a second. How many words of Torah that we've learned can we say this mamish touched my heart, really moved me? Not just talking about oh, I learned a good idea. I'm talking about learning something, learning divrei Torah, and feeling absolutely touched and moved by what we learned. How many how many divrei Torah can we say actually had that effect on me? Mm-hmm. Not so much. It's not stam. We know so much, and yet it's possible to know every word of the Torah and be absolutely untouched, which is the most heartbreaking thing in the world. But is it possible to think that the Ribbon Shrilaam should give us the Torah and not put something so strong into, into those words that they should reach us? It just doesn't make any sense. So what does that line mean? It's like, like, Shlomo's saying, is it possible to think that there's not this explosive power within every word of Torah that I'm learning? Is it possible that the Torah is just not that explosive and dynamic? It can't be. It can't be. So what kind of world am I living in where I'm learning words of Torah and they don't really move me? Right? How could it be? How could it be that I'm learning, I'm not just talking about learning like secrets like this. I'm talking also like about learning a halacha about shiluach hakem, or learning a halacha of hafrashas chala. Oh, this is for me? Oh, okay, thank you. Thanks. Chay, it's for me? Oh, thank you so much. I'm, talking, I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about a law which may seem to you very, very dry, Right? How could it be that a word from God does not grab me like someone looking into my eyes and saying, I am absolutely in love with you. That's what it should be. It should touch me like that. <laughs> that there's so much Torah that I learn that doesn't grab me. Good question, right? Look how he develops it. So the Ishbetze says that the truth is that every word of the Torah is so strong it could tear my soul apart. And God gave it to me in such a way that it might not reach me. If it'll reach me the way it's given from God, I wouldn't have a choice whether to feel it or not. What's a good example of this? The only example we could really say. When we got... Well, it's not a sel It's a few... The first two. Some say first two. Some say mm-hmm. the first word. Some say the ah of anochi. Whatever it was that came fully from Hashem,
1: this out. Yeah, knocked us out our
0: blasted ourselves. we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't fathom it we couldn't do anything with it so <laughs> God wants me to have choice and God wants that I should choose to keep Shabbat. so in order that I should do it God is so to speak hiding right? He's hiding behind how strong the words of Torah really are why? Because if God is shining too strong, I won't have choice. I'll, I'll do whatever it says, and it won't be anything. I'll just be, yada, asita, it's a mark. But God is not hiding the words of Torah from me, because the Torah is in front of me. What is God hiding? God is hiding this absolute dynamic, atomic power in the Torah that can tear up my bones. <laughs> That's what Hashem is hiding. You understand? Yeah, have you understand this, what he's saying. Like, what is God ki concealing from me? That if I'm learning the halaz v'afashashala, what's hidden from me? The penimius v'afashashala, the halacha is the most dynamic power, energy that ever existed in the world. It's from Hashem, through Chazal. But Hashem is hiding from me how strong it really is because I need to have a chalik in it. It has to be me choosing to do it. Okay, it'll get, it'll get a bit more. Sorry, I'm sorry. I can't I can't hear you. Part of Simson, could be that may be a way of understanding it. Could be more like a bechira thing, or is it also like a protective klipa because I guess unhidden or un, you know, with the with the shell around it, it would be too much. Same thing, it's protective. Yeah, we would die. <laughs> we were about. To, we were basically. In the court, there's a midrash that says we all died actually, at Hasinai. Sinai, and then there was the Rahman, it was tchiyat HaMeitim that happened because we. It was clear that Hashem knew this was going to happen. We had to ask our neshamahs had to ask for tchiyat HaMeitim So yeah, it's protective for us to a certain extent. Remember, the whole topic of this year is the way a tzaddik acts versus how about Shuva acts. We discussed a little this morning also with. We're talking about that fire. Nahon. Right? A, a consuming fire. That consuming fire that comes from a Baal Tshuva نحن. more from a gear more often نحن. you'll see that than you would from... Nahon. I have to say, like I, you know, in Yeshiva, we had a few geiring, uh and a few, and a few b'ali tshuva, and I thought about this recently. I just spoke to my, my Rebbe this morning, to Rebbe, Rebbe Rav Bravander and I was, I was thinking about this. Um, I was so envious of these guys. I was so envious. They were learning for smicha. I was learning for smicha. They're from for two months. I'm from for 22 years. They put me to shame. Not in how frum they were. They actually really wanted to know what the Word of God is. And I just really wanted to know what the right answers were. <laughs> I feel like I'm in confession mode today. I did a, I, this morning I also did a whole... Uh, confession thing I forget what it was about but it's okay it's all mishpacha it's all mishpacha (laughs) the Ishpitzer says that to be in exile means that God is hiding from me that holiness of the Torah in other words to be in exile means I learn the words but they don't reach me they just don't reach me I can sit in a room with another person and talk to them but we're hiding from each other what is exile between husband and wife parents and children Can you imagine sitting with your children and talking to them like a stranger? It's the most heartbreaking thing in the world. You could sit at the table and go through the motions like everything and you're hiding from each other. It's the most heartbreaking thing in the world. I think that's the deepest exile there is, he said. We should never know such a thing. So the ish says that a tzaddik, he's not in Galut, right? A tzaddik's not in Galut. A tzaddik, is someone who the Torah is shining so strong into him that he nearly has no choice. Meaning he could, he could deal with the, with the shine so bright. But that means that by his own choice, he doesn't want to have choice. Before he's learning, he says, I don't want you to hide from me. I want you to mamish lay it on me. I want you to teach me your word, but I want your word to reach me in such a deep way that it just completely takes over. That's how a tzaddik learns. He's saying, whatever, I'll deal with the choice afterwards. Bring it on me. Bring the whole thing on me. I can ha- I could take it. And this is the holiness of Yosef. He has the utmost that the Torah is shining into him. And when it says that Yaakov loved Yosef the most from all his sons, it means that Yaakov gave over to Yosef everything which he learned from Shem Aver. But didn't he teach all 12 tribes? What do you mean? Yaakov you know, only taught Yosef? He taught It had to be that he taught everyone. So according to what we just learned, it's very clear. The way he taught the Torah to everyone was that he taught them every word, but do you know what he gave over to Yosef? To Yosef, he gave over the secret how much to tell God, don't hide from me the holiness of the Torah so that it shouldn't, God forbid, reach me. This is a very deep statement. Do you, do you understand what he just said? He just, said some, he just said something so mind-blowing. He just said something so mind-blowing. <laughs> Yaakov taught all his twelve sons all the Torah he learned in Shem and Aver. Yosef picked up on something that's additional to just the text of what he gave over. It's the way to approach learning. To Yaakov, ya, Yaakov, gives over to Yosef the secret of telling Hashem, having this, like a little birdie in his ear before he starts learning. He says, I'm going to learn everything that you give over right now. But I don't, I don't want to have Bechira. What kind of a person do you have to be in order to not have Bechira? To, to not want to have Bechira? What do you think it says about a person characteristic-wise? If you're a person that davins to not have Bechira, meaning that the Torah should just reach you right away before you start learning, what do you have to have inside of you? What kind of person do you have to be? You understand the question? Like Think about yourselves right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys tomorrow before you learn, Hashem is baruch, I don't want to have Bechira. I want to learn this right now, know exactly what you mean and do it right away. What do you have to have? Betul. Big bitl. To what? To what's in front of you. What did you say, Esti? You said Betul? Did someone say Betachon also? Okay, bitl. You have to have complete bitl. I'm willing to say, I cease to exist. It's all your word right now. I don't want to test and see how I feel with this. How it makes me feel. Right. When I'm right, because that look, look, look what happened to Yiddish guy with the whole world of thought of like, let me see how I feel with this, right? And look, 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 look what's happened to so much of Yiddish guy. People saying, let me see how it feels to me. The tzaddik says, no, I'm not interested in that. The tzaddik says, lay it on me, I'm doing it. Lay it on me, I'm doing it. According to what Rib Shlomo said, based on the man this is how. Yaakov taught Yosef how to engage in a godly relationship. This is the Torah of the tzaddik. Now you're all freaked out right now because no one ever did that before. That's okay. Maybe you were tzaddikim, but if you feel like a little bit of Yehuda, that's okay. Most of us are much more hang- waiting for the rest of this text. Because to be able to do that, that that's, that's bashamayim. To be able to actually say that to Hashem, I'm about to learn, I don't want any interruption of my mind or my heart, I want you to lay it on me so that I start doing it right away. This is the Torah of the tzaddik. This is how tzaddik learns Torah. This is Mashiach ben Yosef. But Mashiach ben Yosef doesn't bring the ultimate geula. Mashiach ben David is the one that comes and redeems us from the concealment that we're in, which means we need something else collectively to connect to, a different type of Torah, so that we feel like we have a chance. Because you can cry over what we just said right now for 20 years and never reach this level of really saying, Hashem, I don't want Bechira, just lay it on me. Just lay it on me. Okay, let's go back inside. So now it's very clear that when Moshe Rabbeinu went out from Egypt, he took the coffin of Yosef with him. Why? Why? Moshe Rabbeinu wanted Mount Sinai to be on the level that the words should shine right into us. You know what he just revealed to us? Whose fault was it that we basically all died for a few moments at Har Sinai? Yes. Yosef. We had Atmos Yosef with us. We had the bones of Yosef Tzadik with us. This is what Yosef Atsadik brings to the table. You're done. You're nullified. You're <laughs> Mevutal. You're nothing. But not everyone could actually live like that. In fact, the Rove can't, never was able to, and that's not what we're striving for either. We're trying to figure something else out. This also explains a little bit why he was punished for two years. For, for the, the extra that... two years, Nahon. Because <laughs> by the tzaddik, the medakdek The holiness of Yehuda is something else. The holiness of Yehuda is that he learned the Torah, but the Torah he learned didn't reach him. Now up in your hearts, there are two ways of reaching somebody. I can walk up to a girl and tell her, I love you so much, I want to marry you. If I talk to her on the level of Yosef, so it shines into her so strong, and she says, yes, right away. But if I talk to her on the level of Yehuda, while I'm talking to her, she thinks to herself, nah, not, not interested, I didn't reach her. Now imagine that everything goes wrong after that. I walk down the wrong way, she walks down the wrong way. And let's assume on a very dramatic level, we both become drunkards because we're just so heartbroken. We never get married, and one night I meet her in the Bowery. I'm half drunk, she's half drunk. (laughs) We suddenly realize, what did we do? This is my soulmate here. How could I have done this? How deep is that moment? How deep does it reach then? after all the tsarot, after being heartbroken, after making a bunch of wrong decisions, and then after all the wrong decisions, realizing, oh my God. I can't hear you. both on the level of bittle. They're on the level of bitul. They're on the level of bittle yeah, sure. to what? To, to anything. They, they reach the Lord's love. Yeah. Now, the first person that says, yes, I'll marry you, right away, is that the level of Bittle? It is to a certain extent, but can you compare that level of reaching each other to the other couple? It's a beautiful. Listen, it's a beautiful thing. You meet your soulmate, You go out with her one shidduch date. We were talking about this morning, the awkward shidduch. Was it this morning? We spoke about the awkward. Yeah. In Baal Hotel uh, shidduch yeah. dating, in the, in the in the right in the lobby, you got on one date. Wow, I, I think. Um, I think it would be a right, logical, and a, a, a givad if we both got married right now. Yeah, I maskima, we should get married right now. Will you marry me? Yes. Mazel tov. Okay, that's great. It's pure, it's clean, Kol <laughs> One <laughs> Or two day, whatever, right? Okay. Oh my god, this is feeling so good. A second or three dates, this is great. Will, will you marry me? Nah. I go out another 20 years, 20 shit of dates, can't find the right one. Maybe I even marry the wrong person. Maybe she marries the wrong person. We both get divorced. And uh, I don't know if you... I've actually... I know a few people like this, that they're married. You know stories like this where they get married to like uh, childhood sweethearts or people that didn't work out the first time, then they marry other people, then they get divorced, then then they marry each other. How... Huh? Yeah? How deep... How deep does that reach? Now here's the chap. That only works b'dyeved. That doesn't work l'chadchila. You can't say to yourself, I want to reach the deepest depth with them. So therefore, I'm going to make every mistake in the book, so that eventually circle back, because I want to reach the highest place in the world. Understand, a Baal tshuva like this, what he's talking about is an emezdek of bal tshuva. They tried didn't work, didn't go. It didn't touch them. It wasn't, it wasn't touching them in the deepest depths. This is my soulmate here. How could I have done this? How deep does that reach us then? So look what he says here. Look, 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 look inside. This is so, I'm telling you, the fact that we have this chus to learn this, it's meragesh in ways I can't explain. There's one level when something reaching you when the words themselves reach me. This is Yosef at sadiq Yehuda is the holiness that reaches me where mamish life itself is reaching me. I see everything went wrong. But do you know what kind of reaching that is? That is Yehuda's reaching. Now I'm going to de-Karlabach these words and give it over to you. And tie it into the previous paragraph. And what we're talking about. This is so monumental. The couple that gets married right away. It works. On what level did they reach? Did they meet each other? Did they connect? Words were given over I would like to marry you. Words were responded back We should get married. Did life itself reach them? The core of life reach this couple? No. The second couple that we spoke about, drunk, 20 years, when they look at each other and they realize, You're my soulmate, how could I have done this? On what level are they connecting? Their whole existence connects to the moment. It's not just words like, oh yeah, we should have done this. That's not what's bringing them together. And whatever, this sounds very yeshivish, but the Gansa Metsias, that's how they would say, their whole reality, your whole existence is meeting each other. All of your life, the core of your life is now meeting each other. Now it's very easy to imagine that when you have an example of two people that are drunk in a, in a bar and oh, what a dramatic, beautiful, romantic moment. But do you know that this, happens, this can happen to us with a Kaddish Baruch Hu all the time? Mm-hmm. All the time. You know, we have to figure out a way to make the relationship between us and the Rebun sometimes the most romantic, dramatic kind of feeling because that's the way we're programmed. But did you ever have a romantic, this sounds crazy, right? you ever have a romantic moment of, of like Yehuda? Like this couple with their bonus Shlerim? Where you look back and like, oh my God, oh my God. It was you the whole time I was looking for. But I went and looked for everything in the wrong places. It was you the whole time. Even though it looked like I was looking for something else, I'm telling you it was you. It was you, Hashem. I was always looking for. This is the Torah of the Baal Shuva. The moment Yehuda connects, his whole, re- his whole reality, his whole, everything about his life meets him at that moment. That's the difference between the words of Torah just reaching me and life itself reaching me. The Tzaddik learns Torah, boom, he knows exactly what to do. It's great. It's beautiful. It's pure. It's clean. It's sweet. It doesn't bring Mashiach. Mashiach is Beis David. Mashiach is the one that has enough guts to go back like this person and admit that they may have made every wrong decision in their life. But really, it was always them. Always. There was nothing else they were looking for. They, had to, they went through what they went through. For whatever the reason is. Now, look at the bottom. The Ishbits says that the reaching of Yehuda happens after something is over. Okay, What does this mean?, you've got to pay close attention to these lines over here. The Ishbits says that the reaching of Yehuda happens after something is over. That means after you feel like you lost everything, that's when, that's when Yehuda shows up. My life is over. I did wrong. When did when did it reach Yehuda? Like when did when was Yehuda fully like Yallah kol? End of last Shabbos. What does Yehuda say over there when he realizes things are re- things are over? Et avon God called us out. We can't keep on pretending anymore. It's all over. Yosef lost him. Binyamin. My binyamin, my father's binyamin that I was a guarantor for? Over. Allah And how does this Shabbos begin? Yehuda meets life, he meets his moment when he feels like he already lost everything. Remember what the Ishbitsa used to say about. Vayigash? Wow. Okay. Remember the Rosh Hitevos? We learned it a few times. Does anyone remember? It's in Yiddish. Hmm. Come on. You know, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the Afghan, I'm saying, Yiddish, come on. Vayigash Vas Daishbitz says, Rashitevas, Ven Yiddilach Shri Givalt. When yiddin scream a gavat, vayigash, been jidilach givout When you didn't scream givalt I lost everything. I don't have anything left. But I know right now this life is hitting me right now in this moment. I'm going for everything because I already lost everything. This is Yehuda. This is the moment of our parsha. The Ishbitzer says that the reaching of Yehuda happens after something is over. My life is over. I did wrong. When did it reach Yehuda? After Yosef Atzadik said, "That's it. You're staying as a slave. The whole thing's over. You made a mistake by selling your brother. You made a mistake by accepting a guarantee for B- for Binyamin. The two biggest mistakes in Yehuda's life. It's over. Finished." That's it. You lost everything. Those are the two biggest mistakes in the life. In Yehuda's life, with Yehuda and Tamar. Yeah. Mashiach comes from that too. But to say that this is a greater mistake. Than mm, uh, this is his words. Uh, he's passed away twenty-seven years ago. You'll, you'll, you'll wait till L- 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 MS. This is where Yehuda begins. Va'yigash elav Yehuda. This is where God reaches him. But this is. This is Mashiach's reaching. This brings out Geula. This is when it all begins. This is when Yehuda says to God, "It can't be, just can't be." How, and how does Yehuda talk to God? He's telling over to God his whole life story. Why was Yehuda retelling the God the whole story? Do you think there's a typo here? Do you think that there's a typo? What, what, what could the typo? Huh? Retelling. No, no. Who was who he talking to? Yeah, why does he keep on saying God? Well, if he was only talking to Yosef, what would the first few psukim of the parsha be? Vayigash Yehuda el Yosef. Doesn't say that. What's the parsha say? Vayigash Elav. The Zohar Kodesh says when it's Elav, it's always, he understands that the person in front of him is a pawn. I'm talking Elav. I'm talking to the Rebona Shlodan. So he starts retelling God. Remember, last end of last last Shabbos, what does he say? He realized this is Hashem found this. He says, not yet, yeah, these are all pawns. But Hashem is orchestrating something much bigger than I understand, and we lost it all. Vaigash elav Yehuda. And he starts telling over to God his whole life story. Imagine I meet this girl and I love her very much. And somehow I say to her, Let's get married. And she says, mm, Nah. and after that everything goes wrong and let's assume we meet, uh, we meet each other in the Bowery and everything's over I'm already a lost drunkard she's a lost drunkard and now imagine I would tell her that the whole time when everything went wrong I missed her so much do you think you didn't do you think you didn't reach me when you spoke to me did you reach me do you think reaching means only when I listen to you and I do what you say it's very deep what is Reb Shlomo saying over here when he, why is Yehuda retelling over his whole life story to Hashem at this pivotal moment at this crucial moment because what he's really doing is he's telling the Ribbon Shleilam I made that mistake and I made that mistake and I made that mistake but in my kishkas trust me I was always trying to find you I just didn't know how to express myself properly it was all to get to here. It was all for this moment. And Uvda, it brought me here. The fact is, I am here at this moment. See, the Baal has nothing to lose. He's not trying to pretend that he was a tzaddik his whole life. He says, it's true, I did everything wrong. But couldn't you hear me crying for you, Hashem? But all the rabbis and shuls and schools and communities that, so to speak, were your PR, they stunk and they turned me off from you that Hashem no. knows you're searching. Of course, but you have to know that you were searching. Of course, Hashem. This, isn't for, this is not for Hashem. Neither is he potatus. Of course you're searching. This is for you to realize that you were searching the whole time. Yeah. No, it's not so obvious. That's not so obvious at all. In fact, when you get caught in the thick, you know, dark, whatever, cloud of being off, whatever that is, in the previous, you're still searching, but you forget that you're searching, and then you're really sad. So when he comes back and he brings this whole thing down, and he's giving over his kishkas tashan, he's really just revealing to himself, oh my God, it was you that I was looking for the whole time, just like this person that meets this woman in the bar after 20 years. He says to her, you know when I did that, when I did that, I was thinking, you think you didn't reach me? You did reach me, I just didn't know, I didn't know how to connect, I didn't know what to do with it. I learned the Torah, I learned the text, I didn't know how to make it applicable to my life. I had no idea what to do with it. But it was you the whole time. It was you the whole time. Like Rib Shlomo used to talk, I was talking about this with Yehuda Katz a few weeks ago. He said that what he remembers more than anything, the last few years of being with Rib Shlomo, is that he spoke about the need for people to have, to look at the world with Mashiach eyes to look at people with Mashiach eyes. And that means that you look at someone that in front of you it looks like the last thing in the world he cares about is connecting to the Word of God and looking at them with Mashiach eyes and making them realize and you're part of their realization that they really want, they want Kedusha. They want Emmas. They want Torah. It's just that it gets very confusing in a world with so much concealment. It gets very confusing when it's a chidrush that Jews are finally allowed to pray on our abayit. That's a warped reality for us. It's very much against our human nature, but in the panemius of things, looking at people with Mashiach eyes is like, I guess you just really want it to be absolutely perfect and that's why you're making it so hard on us right now. Or whatever it is, whatever it is, Mashiach eyes. You see the youth here, other places, couldn't care about Shabbos all going to parks on Friday nights, doing what they're doing, Hashemi Rachim, going there with Mashiach eyes, believing B'emunah be Shlema, what they want inside is a Shabbos that the world hasn't even given them yet. I know, it sounds corny, it sounds cheesy, it's the, this is, is emuna. this is believing in the Neshama of a Yid. So sometimes, next paragraph, sometimes you reach me, And I don't listen to you. I learned Torah, I I don't keep it. It's a different kind of reaching. It stays somewhere in there, but it's a different kind of reaching. So Yehuda is saying to God that even when I did everything you didn't want me to do, I was still thinking about you the whole time. Yehuda didn't even ask Yosef. He just went right up to him. Mama's standing before God. Yehuda was crying before God, I want you to know that you reached me the whole time. Yehuda is, so to speak, forcing God to reveal that while he was falling, doing mistake after mistake, the Torah reached him the whole time in the deepest depths. You think, while I wasn't keeping Shabbos, Shabbos didn't reach me? While I was driving my car, I was crying for Shabbos. This is Yehuda. Again, this is only Bedi Eved, not Lechad Again, you don't... You see, I, have to, I have to just reinforce this concept over. You don't set out your way as to be like, I am going to honk my horn as loud as I can until one person really hears that I'm trying to blow the shofar. You don't, you don't act like that. It's just Bediyev, after the fact. And on the very highest, deepest level, when Mashiach is coming, it'll be revealed to the whole world that every Yiddelah that was honking his horn on Shabbos was waiting for the blowing of the shofar of Mashiach. That's that moment. Ani Yosef, ha'od That moment when when it's going to be revealed to us, this moment when that concealment is over, is done. At that moment, it will be clear to us that all of this, every Jew really wanted the best, they wanted the most in the world. They wanted the utmost in the world. Now, if I'm on the level of Yosef HaTzadik and someone teaches me about Shabbos and Mamish God helps me understand and I keep Shabbos and it reaches me, it's a very high Shabbos. But imagine, I'm not on the level of Yosef. I learn about Shabbos and it didn't reach me. Then God forbid. Then God forbid I'm married and my wife doesn't talk to me. My children don't talk to me. Friday night we're all watching television. Everything's dead. Suddenly I realize, ah. Oh, if I would have kept Shabbos, if I would have had the holiness of Shabbos one night a week, give out where we could have been. Sometimes I sit with people, mamish, with these eyes, where they realize if I just would have not given into that one thing in the beginning, then it wouldn't have led that domino effect to basically remove the phtimiyut of the rest of the thing. And it hurts so much because they know if they just would have been a tzaddik, they wouldn't be where they are now. They're just forgetting something. If they just would have been a tzaddik and do things right, they wouldn't necessarily long for Shabbos the way they're longing for Shabbos now. If a person just learned about Shabbos, kept Shabbos, and then never had a problem with Shabbos, is it possible for them to cry for Shabbos? Maybe. Highly unlikely. If we were brought to Eretz Yisrael, and we built a base on Migdash and we were never driven out, never driven out, you think we would be we'd be able to cry for Eretz Yisrael the way we're crying now? Not a chance. Not a chance. It's like this with everything. So the Ishbetir is saying that the way I know Shabbos now, like the Bal is so deep because in other words I myself am a living witness that God is right I become a living witness that God is right Moish, this is great lyrics I become a living witness that God is right What do you think he means over here The balchuva is someone that becomes a living witness that God is right This is so crazy mm. And that's really what Shabbos is. You're supposed to give Ages together with your beloved that God created the heavens and earth. What does it mean? We we become we do the witness uh, protection program every single every single week, right? What does it mean that I become a living witness that God was right? It means that I went through life, I tasted it all, and I myself now, after tasting everything else, become a living witness that when God said Shemurat Yom God is right. Not that He needs me to say that He was right. I need me. To become part of the protection program. I need me to join the witness program. I'm trying to, try to, to try to say this deeper. Or more clear, I guess. The greatest thing in the world that I could do in this lifetime is to be a living testimony that every word of the Torah is emet. That's the greatest level I can reach in this world. That I'm a walking, living proof that every word of the Torah is Emet is true. Every Moshe Emet ve Torah to Emet. How does a person become someone who's a walking, living proof that every word of the Torah is Emet? How, how does a person become that? Think about it. Give me an idea. What do you think? How do you become that person? To learn Torah. So Aleph, you have to learn Torah. Ah. And what happens if the Torah you learn doesn't reach you? Are you a walking, living testimony that God is right? What do you think? I learned Torah, the Torah doesn't reach me. Do I walk around as a living testimony that God is right and his Torah is right? Okay. No, You're saying right. that it's not Emet. You're actually yeah. saying, maybe it's Emet a, a long time ago, whatever it is, but I'm a man of truth and I'm not feeling it right now, so I can't really give testimony that that's Emet. When does a person become a man that gives testimony that God's word is Emet? Yeah, when well, he keeps struggling. It. What's that? After struggling. After struggling. about or well, you see a tzaddik's way of being a testimony, giving testimony that God is right, can't really turn on anyone. Because they'll say, well, only if I never sinned, then I could feel what he's feeling. If I never fell, maybe I could relate to what he's talking about. Maybe next Gilgul, I could taste the kedusha of being a living testimony of God's truth if I don't sin. You, huh? you, you have to learn Chabad. So, anyway, so this is a whole. Only four people in the whole world didn't sin, right? It about, you, uh, you really. I need to learn Tanya. You need to learn Tanya big time. I'm just going to stop you now. It's okay. So, the premise of this whole thing is that when I fall, and, I, and then I come back and I say, Really, I'm realizing now I was always looking for you, Hashem, you're right. I go and I bear witness and I say, Bo- Boys, girls, been there, done that. Moshe Emet, Vitorato Emet. And then I'm able to give the word of emet of Hashem in a much more powerful way throughout the whole land, throughout the, all the different groups of people that have also been struggling and looking for things and whatnot. I am walking testimony that God is right. That's. It's much harder to bevatel yourself after you've tasted everything. It's like I'm learning uh, Chazanish emuna um, bitachon, and I didn't understand it just, he went, he went from like bitachon, like the classic and now he's gone to living halacha. Mm-hmm. And not that like if a judgment, a judgment goes against you, you accept that fully because you understand that is the living Torah. And if you don't, you're lack, there's a chisaron. And that's so here right. you'd say, if you don't, you're not bearing testimony that God is right. Right. This is a different way of saying it. And you don't accept emunat sadiqim, like it's everything comes. It's not right. It's not right. The the system is not not working. It's It's not it. I don't feel it. Right. So Yaakov Avinu thought that Yosef is Mashiach because Yosef has this power that when he says something, it happens. It Just happens. Will you marry me? Yes. Like by Yosef, it says. This has been in Pashat uh, uh, Vayeshev, right? And Miket's, last Shabbos. Like, do this and live, he tells the people with you know, the seven years of famine. Do this and you'll live. And boo, voila, happens. When Yosef says something to you, Imamish gives you life. Every word he says reaches your toenails. When Yosef utters a dream, that's what it is. If Yosef Atadik says to the butler that in three days he'll be freed, that's what happens. He tells the baker he'll be hung on the tree, that's what happens. Every word Yosef Tzaddik says is so right. So now, could this be a Tzadik bashing shir? It kind of sounds like that's what we've been doing until now, right? It's kind of like we're all like telling everyone, go the Baal Tshuva road. It's probably more, you'll, you'll be more connected to that. It can't be. You can be Mashiach. You can, right. <laughs> by, by how? By being a Baal Tshuva. But we know in Yiddishkeit we have the concept of Mashiach Ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. So look what he says now. Now this last paragraph, I've meditated on this many times on Friday night. much. I, I remember I, I transcribed this when I was 18. I thought about this for, for 23 years. Kimat, definitely every Shabbos Vayigash, but many times during the year as well. I want you to think about this. Especially those of you that are FFBs, whatever on earth that means to us today, but you know what I'm talking about. The truth is that the greatest thing in the world is that we have Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. So what does it mean to learn Mashiach's Torah? Meaning the whole Torah of the tzaddik and the Baal Tshuva. While I'm learning, I don't just feel the MS of the Torah. I already taste, God forbid, if I'm not doing it. While I'm learning, I am already getting that taste of being a living witness that God is right without having to fall in order to know this. Is that last sentence clear? That's the, this is one of the strongest sentences in the world. I'm going to say it like this. The greatest level you could reach is not just learning the laws of Shabbos, understanding it, keeping Shabbos, that's a high level, it's a holy level. But inside the Kishkas, the deepest level is that while I'm learning the Word of God, I get a little bit of a taste of the bitter darkness my soul would go through if it would detach itself from the Word of God. Now, Usually, when do I get that bitter taste? When I actually don't listen to the Word of God. He's saying the deepest thing is, the most Shalem picture is that your Avodat Hashem is that while you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you feel the pleasure of being connected to a mitzvah while you feel the pain of if you would have chosen not to do the Word of God. And I guess it's by connecting to say you feel the pain of that there's Jews out there who, who are not, and that's a part of you. Rabbi Shlomo said in his book, Shomer Shabbos means that you can't sleep at night knowing that there's still Jews that don't keep Shabbos. But if you're fine with your Shabbos and it's all good with you and your minions, I give sabava. You're not going to bring Mashiach. <laughs> You'll be good. You'll have a great, great Masoret in the family, maybe. But you're not going to bring something much greater. I just want to make sure, Chavar, that we understand this last paragraph, because this is like, this is an ultimate peak of Avodat Hashem, an ultimate thing. Imagine I'm learning, Shabbos is an easy example. Give me another thing, another example, something you learn and you don't feel connected to, it's, it's, it's harder to connect to. Shatness. Sorry, sir. <laughs> <laughs> <Good, huh? laughs> chilling. The greatest, let's go with Shatness for a second. So the greatest, the greatest level would be that I learned the pnimius of Shatness,? Okay, I'm not mixing. I'm not. Uh, what do you say in English? Crossbreeding. I'm not. I'm not crossbreeding. But I learned the pnimius of the mitzvah of Shatness. My clothes. Everything's fine, but I taste what it What it feels like to go against this very illogical, in our mind, law from Hashem. I taste what it's like to, to to not bear witness that God is right. Without actually, actually going, against going against the word, the word of God. But only because I've been there in other areas. Otherwise I'm a Meaning I can feel that once I've done chuba. Right, because if I never went, if I never if I always stayed in the place of bearing witness and giving testimony, I can't taste. What it's like, right? Is that what you're saying? Even, shatness, even if I never right, went right, 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 gone against other things, and I know what it feels like to, to right, me. And, and, and you realize you it's the same it, it, category. Never... <laughs> 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 you bear witness as the same category as Shabbos. Nachon, <laughs> 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 Tfilin's a good example. Tefillin's also a very good example because Tefillin has become something like, especially when you grow up religious, so. A few things that the guilt, the guilt does get to you. Like, if you grow up religious and you, you, don't, you miss a day of tefillin, unless you've completely, like, disconnected, it, it, it does hurt you, especially if you forgot. And you like, oh my God, I didn't put on tefillin today. Like, that rips a hole in your heart. Imagine putting on tefillin and being so thankful to be simcha. I think you have to be simcha with the mitzvah in order to connect to also the Hashem Yirachem. Can you imagine if I didn't have this today? That's Mashiach bin Yosef and Mashiach bin David. It's the Tzadik and the Baal Tshuva that are meeting each other in the same moment. It's like that couple that gets married on that first date, and then 20 years after they're married, they're like, can you, can you imagine right now if you would have said no? Can you imagine if you would have said no? Can you imagine where we would have gone? And then you think about all those... Uh, all those single events that you went to and, you know, that you would have gone to and all those bad things you would have done as a bachelor or a bachelorette and then you wake up in the morning you're like oh but I didn't and then there's a shlemus of like oh my god thank you for letting me taste how bitter it is if this wasn't my story did you ever have a nightmare where you're, you feel like you don't know who to marry and, or you can't figure out who your zivug is and you you get that right, and the, you get that stress inside. And then you wake up in the morning, and you turn your head, and you're like, "That's tasting Yehuda without having to be Yehuda." You understand mm-hmm. that it's it's a this is we're talking Mashiach now. Like this is this is the ultimate. So, so anyway, to to bring this to. What the Manshilah did with this, and by the way, good luck finding this in the mashiyach. I'm just telling you right now. You're, you're yeah, not going you're you're to. I because I have from the Beis Yaakov who has a few lines that I found in here. Finally, <laughs> like three lines in here. I'm like, oh yeah, it does say that over here. It's that Reb Shlomo took this and and with all the tire that he knew, he went to this place of trying to bring down such a beautiful concept. The bottom line for us right now, chaverim, mikreim, the week of Vayigash, the week of Vayigash Elav Yehuda, when we learn Torah, when we learn the Psukim in the Torah, I bless us that the way our children see us learning Torah is not a story about what happened. It's learning a story describing what is happening. What is happening now? What is taking place right now? This second, in whatever area in life, we need to have a Vayigash Elav moment, to get the koach from our Abba Yehuda. To get the koach from what you're learning. Take it, take the koach, be stingy. Learn the parasha and be like, I got this. I'm going to man up, women up, whatever you say in 2021. <laughs> I'm going to up. <laughs> I'm going to go to that place of I'm going to tell God the whole story and while I'm telling God the whole story about how I sinned, it's going to be clear to me I was looking for him the whole time but I just kept on being disappointed by shliach after shliach who came in the name of God to tell me what God wants from me. And eventually I realized that was also diapers. How much longer can I blame other people for being bad spokesmen? Diapers. It's also upsetting. I'll grow out of that. Like I have friends till today, they're in their 50s. When they were little kids, they went to cheder. They were hit. Many people were hit. I don't know I mean how hit. Of course these things leave marks and God forbid. But we're living in an era where it's very safe to speak about these things. Work through them. So that you can let, you can basically... Stop keeping those people as the ones that are preventing you from vaigash elav yehuda moments. Mm. Because when you have an vaigash elav yehuda moment, and you you start to retell God your whole story, like we said before, God doesn't need to know; He knows. But the point is, do you realize that you were always looking for Hashem? Do you realize it? Not until after. That's what he said. Yehuda, Mashiach, the Baal Tshuva's story, only starts when it's over. You're going to jail. Your father, he just lost his precious Ben Zikunim. You're done. You've messed up and messed up and messed up. It's over. It's over? I'll show you. Vayigash Eil Yehuda. This is the king. This is a Jewish king. This is David HaMelech. This is kingdom. This is King David this is the world of Mashiach. This is the world that we all are being invited to take ownership of this Shabbos. But when you're sitting at your Shabbos table this Friday night, for one minute, for one minute, imagine yourself not at this Shabbos table. Imagine yourself not at a Shabbos table. Even if you've kept Shabbos your whole life. For, for Balei Tshuva, this is an easy thing. Easier, not easy. It's an easier thing. Those of us that more or less had Shabbos more or less our whole lives, can you imagine if instead of Shabbos you had Friday night? Friday night? So go there for a second, see what happens. And then wake up and they're like, oh my God, that's mamash. That's a shlemut of both sides of the coin. And the schut of the me'a should stand for us and our children and grandchildren for many more years. That this schut of the mashiloach, that he never leaves, leaves a yidula off the hook. He, what he does with Yehuda, he does with everyone. Showing the Miraglim, Korach, Kozbi, everyone. They were always mechaven in the pnimius. Even the Midianim, the Benot Midian, crazy torahs. Really, in the of things, even Balak. In the primitive things, every person the Torah tells us about was looking somehow for God, just in the wrong way. We should have those Moshiach eyes to look at people like that and we'll azamra the whole world by the time Shabbos Veigash is over. All right, shakoyach everyone, shakoyach, You Feel free to take these pages home with you.